Warning, this show may contain adult content, language, and humor and is intended for mature audiences. If that's not you, please stop listening now. Nothing you hear on Sex and Science Hour is intended as medical advice, financial advice, legal advice, therapy, or really anything other than entertainment. Please take everything you hear with a grain of salt. Oh, and if you're hearing us on an affiliate network, the ideas and views expressed on this show are not necessarily those of the network you're listening on or of any sponsors or affiliate products you might hear about on the show. Now that all that's out of the way, let's start the show. This is Sex and Science Hour with Brian Sovereign and Dr. Stephanie Murphy. Get your freak on. Somebody's doing the robot here. Hey! <laughs> Sex and Science Hour. And it ain't me. I am just so excited for season four, episode oh, two of this party to keep on going. Fantastic. And yes, I was doing the robot and... I was hoping you'd comment on that, Brian. You know, I just couldn't help but dance because... I had some coffee this morning. You and did? Woo, it was just a pick me up like none other. You ever feel like your coffee just makes you a little bit too <laughs> jazzed for the day? A little <laughs> bit too excited? A little bit too jittery? Now, wait a minute. You hate coffee. Yeah, I'm just kidding. I didn't have any coffee. I never drink coffee. I drink coffee all the time, but <laughs> you despise it. Uh, yeah, you do. It's kind of a it's kind of an uh, ongoing issue in our relationship when Brian drinks coffee. <laughs> I, I hate the smell of it. I hate the taste of it when you kiss me. I don't like coffee, but I was trying to segue into our opening story, Brian, which <laughs> has to do with coffee. Well, I mean, there's well, no other way you can introduce it. All right. But hold on. Hold on. I okay. just want to make this clear that for years I did not drink coffee. <laughs> In this house. I know, because you respected me. <laughs> yeah. But something changed. Now, yeah, I've, now I've lost all respect for you. So it's like, all right, yeah. give well, me the caffeine. What oh. else is new? So is everybody else. <laughs> just oh, kidding. No, people respect me. I'm a... Are you, I'm absolutely. I'm the CEO. I'm the boss. They don't. Um, they can get on their knees. Yeah, exactly. Well, anyway. <laughs> a wake-up call from NPR.org. Coffee recalled by FDA... For having Viagra-like ingredients. <gasps> what? This is from today. This is hot off the presses. July this is 21st, amazing 2017. news. Okay. <laughs> Tell me more. Um, so, first of all, this story was sent in by my mom. <laughs> Hi, mom. <laughs> Thanks for supporting Sex and Science Hour. <laughs> Your mother knows mom me a little too well. She has us <laughs> <a> <laughs> Yeah, she does. <laughs> She's the one that got me back on that coffee kick, by the way. Yeah, it's true. My mom has reintroduced you to drinking coffee. And now what the hell is this? Coffee with Viagra in it? Like, I don't know if she's trying to tell us something or what, but um, my mom did send this article into the show. She loves Sex and Science Hour. She asks us every week what we talked about. Yeah. Sometimes she listens. Uh, but anyway, uh, so wake up call. Coffee recalled by FDA for having Viagra-like ingredient. Given the fact that, quote, new of Kopi Jatan traditional natural herbs coffee 
has been marketed as a male enhancement product. And the, the reason they've said the name is because it's like, you know, full of typos and spelling errors just in the, <laughs> just in the name of the title of the product. Well, of course, you're too shows busy about, fucking. Yeah. <laughs> you can't write it straight. <laughs> shows about the level of professionalism they're at. Uh, has been marketed as a male enhancement product. It might be fair to assume that consumers who plucked the instant coffee off of store shelves had a clear idea of its intended effects. But according to the U.S. Food and Drug Administration, they probably weren't aware of some of its key undisclosed ingredients. Most, no- <laughs> most notably, desmethyl carbodenafil, which the FDA says is structurally similar to the active ingredient in Viagra, a prescription medication for erectile dysfunction. The discovery has prompted Best Herbs Coffee LLC, the North Texas company behind the product, to voluntarily recall the product nationwide. The FDA says the undeclared chemical could pose problems when paired with nitrates, which are often found in drugs prescribed to men with diabetes, heart, heart, uh, high blood pressure, high cholesterol, or heart disease. The coffee's packaging also failed to declare the presence of milk, which could make for a very unwelcome surprise for people with dairy allergies. To date, though, the FDA says the coffee distributed nationwide by Best Herbs from 2014 to 2016 has not caused any reported illnesses. Oh, oh. nobody's complaining, Brian. Yeah, other than uh, perhaps a bunch of, uh, you know. Stomach parasites or something. Oh, 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 uh, sorry. You mean babies? <laughs> you mean this coffee is getting people pregnant? I don't think it's the coffee. I think it's the dick. I'm not saying pregnancy is a disease, but anyway. <laughs> Albert Yee, the man behind Best Herbs, told the Washington Post it was the coffee's mix of it was the coffee mix's popularity in Malaysia that inspired him to import it. There are whole streets of it. It's like tequila in Mexico. He told the paper on Thursday. Yet it's not the only coffee to have run afoul of the FDA for using a chemical cousin to Viagra's sildenafil. As NPR's Scott Hensley noted in 2010, the subtly named Magic Power Coffee, another beverage billed as an aphrodisiac of sorts, drew regulators' attention for its undeclared use of hydroxythiohomo sildenafil. Homo. Yeah, I heard homo too. I'm sure everybody, that's exactly what everybody heard. Um, but no, they're it's the just, gay juice boxes. <laughs> no, it's the straight coffee. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, these coffees, these compounds are derivatives of the same chemical that's in Viagra, All essentially. Right. All right, but hold on. Like, so the FDA admits, no, there's no reported problems. Like, there's no, there's no issue. But no, well, no reported problems, but people may not know, like, they may not make the connection if they got dizzy and passed out or something that it was because of the coffee they drank because they didn't think the coffee had fucking Viagra in it. Well, all right, come on. Like, I mean, if you're getting a student offer for four hours, I mean, you got to know something's going on. Yeah. But, but... <laughs> well, maybe that's a normal side effect when they drink coffee. Uh, no, I'm no, just, that no it shouldn't happen. be. It should not be. Um, yeah, I, I guess that would have been a tip off, but sometimes it doesn't even work. <laughs> sometimes it doesn't even work to cause a boner necessarily. It may just cause dizziness. So the way that here's the science, nah. we're, we're bus breaking into the science here, folks. Okay. The, the way that Viagra works is by dilating the blood vessels in the body. And mostly that takes effect in the penis. And when those little blood vessels in the penis dilate, they fill with blood and there's valves in, of sorts that prevent the blood from going out right away. And so mm-hmm. it causes the penis to get swollen and hard because of the 
you know, the anatomy of how it is. Right. And this was actually an accidental discovery. There, the scientists who discovered Viagra, um, it was, it was a complete, uh, oh, for something else. They yeah. had originally developed it for high blood pressure and right. they were testing it on rats to see if it would lower their blood pressure. And lo and behold, they found that it had an unintended side effect of giving the rats a persistent boner. <laughs> so they said, so Those some dirty genius, rats. yeah, <laughs> some genius saw that and said, Hmm, this could be even bigger than a well, boring old high blood pressure. That's probably pill. what he thought. This could be bigger. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> this could be a blockbuster hit. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, thus Viagra was born. And then there was, you know, um, several drugs, you know, like C- Cialis and stuff that are similar. And, you know, Viagra has uh, had a lot of, it's inspired a lot of social commentary over the years, right? Because we have Viagra for men who can't get a boner and it's all covered by insurance and it's taken very seriously right, as right. a medical problem. And it should be taken seriously as a medical issue. I mean, if it can help someone get a boner where they couldn't before and they want to, then that's great. Oh, but, ED is a, is a genuinely serious problem. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know? yeah, but yeah, yeah. But then there is the component that it's not always just a physiological thing where the blood vessels aren't dilating. It can also be in your mind. Mm -hmm. And, of course, there's not a corresponding pill that women can take that will instantly make them... Not that's covered by insurance or anything. Physiologically ready to have sex. Yeah. Right. right. So, you know, there's criticism of Viagra for that. But, you know, men have been looking for male enhancements since the dawn of time. So I guess I can't blame someone for drinking a coffee that was marketed as like, you know, what was it called? Um, (laughs) Magic pick-me-up or something like that. Magic power coffee. Yeah, magic power coffee. I'll tell you, I, I... I'm disappointed. Like, why didn't I hear about this sooner? I need to look into these other ones. I, I want to try this. <laughs> well, you said that. You said it when I told you about this article. You said, I want to try it. And I said, well, you know, I can see the appeal because I'm sure you want to find out what happens, right? Yeah. But one, you don't need it. <laughs> why, thank you. <laughs> and two, it can have side effects. It can make you dizzy because it does still dilate blood vessels yeah. in other parts of your body. So yeah. you could end up with a boner but passing out because you can't stand up or else you're going to get dizzy. Yeah. So, I mean, that's the that's the pros and cons with any drug. They always have side effects. And, you know, it's not just as simple as you pop a pill and it's a party in your pants. I know. But I've, I've always kind of wanted to know, like, that's what they always talk about with Viagra, right? Is it, you know, if, or that's the warning is that if you end up with, uh, you know, shooting off for longer than four hours or something that that. Well, that can be a serious problem because then the blood starts to sort of stagnate in there. Right. And then it can you can lose like the tissues can lose their oxygen. Right. I'm just saying I am willing for this. I am willing to be the guinea pig. You know, like I like I, I, I want to I, I want to know. I need to know for myself how this works. Well, too bad because the FDA has pulled the coffee. Boy, if you you ever want somebody to ruin your day, just call the FDA. (laughs) You know, though, like it makes you wonder, though, because so, for example, I take these vitamins that are meant to promote uh, hair growth because I want I've always wanted since I was a little girl to have long, long, pretty, pretty princess hair. Mm hmm. I love long hair. It's it's on other people, on myself. It's kind of a fetish for me. Oh, your hair is gorgeous. Thank you. Um, but I want it to be even more gorgeous. So I take vitamins that are supposed to promote hair growth. Now, I always sort of wonder in the back of my mind, is this really just like biotin and, you know, whatever, uh, vitamin C? Or do they put like Rogaine in this shit? <laughs> I would, I would never know, right? Like, how could yeah, you know? Right. You have to trust what's on the label. And the FDA doesn't nearly enforce like all the stuff that they, 
that some people think they do. Well, They're not clearly, going around shit policing. gets by them. Yeah, exactly. And so, um, yeah, I just wonder how many products out there that are marketed as like natural herbal or, or whatever, um, or are sold as dietary supplements because those are basically not subject to to the FDA. The F, well, the, I guess they are subject to the FDA. They can't make any health claims, mm-hmm. but basically they get around all the regulations that are on prescription drugs, of right. course. So, um, how many products are out there that are just basically sneaking pharmaceuticals from India or wherever into their product without people's knowledge? Yeah, yeah. You know, I hear you. Something else, another, another angle to this. Um, like, I don't know if everybody has this issue or if other people really have this issue or something, but like in the morning, like I, I'm not, I'm not fully awake yet really to, uh, of course, maybe after the coffee I would be, but I was going to say like first thing in the morning, I'm not exactly fully awake to, you know, get the freak on. You know what I mean? Oh, me too. It's I been mean, a I, problem I, because sometimes you and I, well, if anyone doesn't know, we're a couple. Hi, whoo. mom, by the way. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, you know, sometimes you and I wake up and we get a little bit amorous, but then we can't take the act to completion because we're both just waking up yeah, and we, we need a little, a little bit. bit of time. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know. So, so I guess like I'm just kind of wondering, like, first thing in the morning, I don't know if that's the best time for this to rock. Like, this should be, is it, did, does, did, it didn't say if it was caffeinated or decaffeinated. Oh, it's definitely caffeinated. Yeah. yeah. It probably has to be. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> Which is then you're mixing caffeine into the mix too. And that could be even more dangerous when you're talking about heart issues and blood pressure. Well, I'm just going to put this tip out there. I mean, you want to stop drinking caffeine after six o'clock if you can. And, uh, daytime sex is the best. And so, you know, if you're going to find coffee that is of a similar ilk to this, um, go for that daytime sex. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thanks for your advice, Brian. (laughs) Just putting it out there. I think any kind of sex is the best, but I will say on a a serious note, it's best whenever it works for you. But on a serious note, um, I have found that caffeine if you drink it late at night it really does disrupt your sleep sure to me it does anyway and i i think a lot of people say oh i'm immune to it it doesn't affect me i can drink a cup of coffee late at night and i don't have trouble falling asleep well you may want to rethink that because it actually does it it actually does affect people this is not tea in my hands right now it is not tea oh boy and we're recording this at 11 o'clock p.m so bad boy brian bad boy punish me (laughs) i will during the break so before I punish Brian, <laughs> I want to give our listeners a, a treat and let them in on a special club that you can get access to oh. by simply going to Facebook and searching for Sex and Science Hour podcast community. That is our private Facebook group, and we are in the process of building up our membership. So far, we have dozens of cool people in there, and I would like to grow it to dozens more because what I want to do eventually with it is not only have our listeners meet each other and mingle, so you know who you know. You never know who you might meet in there, but also um, give you guys special rewards and perks. So head on over to Sex and Science Hour podcast community on Facebook. Now back to the show. This is Sex and Science Hour. Yes, it is. Back to the show. All right, Brian. So tell me the truth. Do you still want to try that Viagra coffee or I, I do. Over it? I really do. I know some, pe- some people might find that funny because I'm a, kind of a teetotaler, but... I do. Yeah, I find it a little funny. I th- I feel like, you know, well, if you when I get my hands on it, it won't be a laughing matter. Goddamn no. <laughs> Sorry. Well, please continue. Okay. Speaking of uh, things that are not a laughing matter, 
You found this really interesting article, and I actually also got sent in the same article by one of our listeners from the Sex and Science Hour contact form on our website, which is sexandsciencehour.com. If you click on the contact link, you can send us show prep or your relationship questions or whatever you want, or just make a comment on the show, I suppose. But uh, I How knew fortuitous. That, I knew that we had to do this article because both you found it on your own and Cognitive Dissident sent it to us. Oh. So, Cognitive Dissident, by the way, writes in, glad you guys are back. No. Yeah. Me too, Cognitive. I, I'm still not certain that Cognitive isn't like a plural. But anyway, what do you mean? You think might it's... be more than one person. We don't know who cognitive dissident nope, is. No idea. It's a mystery. And if they've heard us talk about that, I'm sure they've heard us because they listen to the show. They're a big fan. Mm-hmm. Um, they haven't revealed themselves. No. And I think that means they want to keep it a mystery. Yeah. Yeah. And I haven't bothered to look at their IP address. So, or, whoops. <laughs> <laughs> How are you going to? F- hey, I don't, hey, Never mind. Hey, I don't even want to know. know. Okay. So anyway. The article is this, um, and we're in the science segment, of course. Plants turn caterpillars into cannibals. (gasps) Chemicals produced by tomato plants in response to a pest attack can change insect behavior by Laura Castellas. Never trust any kind of vegetable or plant that's like red. There's just... Because red means danger. Because it means danger. Even if it's an apple, Satan gave you that. (laughs) 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 Well, I mean, there's a list of red foods. You know, I just read this article. Um, actually, speaking to my mom, I was talking to my mom about this article where uh, cherries are supposed to be like really good for you because of the dark red pigments. They like it's like beets. They like wow. dilate your blood vessels and they're like antioxidant and all this stuff. So I rediscovered cherries. I forgot how much I like cherries. And so I, after I, we talked about that, I went to the store. I saw some cherries because I was paying attention to them. And I was like, you know what? I think I'll try some. And I did. And they were so good. And now I'm hooked. I'll throw that theory out the door. All right. What do we so, got? But are the cherries going to hurt me? Because they're red. Uh, are they dangerous? I, uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I guess as long as you can tie the stem in a knot with your tongue, which I can, then oh. I, I'm, I'm coming out the winner <laughs> in this contest. <laughs> no, I think I am. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Anyway, so it's not unusual for insect pests to feed on each other as well as their staple veg. But it's now been shown that tomato plants can team up to directly push caterpillars into cannibalism. This is a new ecological mechanism of induced resistance that effectively changes the behavior of the insects, says Richard Carbon, who studies interactions between herbivores and their host plants at the University of California, Davis, and was not involved in the study. Herbivorous pests often turn on each other when their source of food is poor quality or runs out, and some plants are known to affect the behavior of their pests by making them more predatory toward other species. But until now, it was unclear whether plants could directly cause caterpillar cannibalism. Integrative biologist John Orock and his colleagues at the University of Wisconsin in Madison triggered a defensive reaction in tomato plants, Solanum lycopersicum, by exposing them to various amounts of methyl jasminate. This is an airborne chemical that plants release to alert each other to danger from pests. When cued with methyl jasminate, Tomato plants respond by producing toxins that make them much less nutritious to insects. The researchers then allowed caterpillars of a common pest, the small mottled willow moth, to attack the crop. Eight days later, they observed that the plants more strongly cued with methyl jasminate had lost less biomass compared with control plants or with ones who had received a weaker induction. 
This showed that the reaction was somehow effective at protecting the plants. Cannibalism trigger. So let's just stop down and just summarize of what happened. Okay. Here's the, ex- here's the experimental setup. They've got a bunch of tomato plants. All right. Tomato plants can talk to other tomato plants and say, hey, there's bugs here. They're about to eat us. Just so you know, you might want to make yourself less attractive to these bugs by producing less nutrients that the bugs like to eat. Okay. And then so they can signal to each other with a chemical messenger. That's the methyl jasmonate that says, hey, we're in danger. We're being eaten. You guys might want to watch out for the bugs, too. And so then the other tomato plants say, okay, got it. I'm going to produce less nutrients and make myself less yummy to these uh-huh. bugs. Okay. Okay. Um, then they, after the, after they sprayed the tomato plants with this messenger that says we're in trouble, they let caterpillars start to feed on the tomato plants. And the ones that got the signal, the ones that got the most of this chemical that signals were in danger, mm-hmm. um, actually had, they lost less leaves. They got eaten less by the caterpillars. Okay. So why was that? How did that happen? Right. Okay. Here's the next part of the study. Cannibalism trigger. Next, the team wanted to test whether the plant's response was triggering cannibalistic behavior in the caterpillars. So they cued tomato plants with methyl jasmonate and then fed leaves from cued plants and non-cued control plants to single caterpillars in containers that also contained a set number of dead caterpillars. Two days later, the team observed that the caterpillars fed with leaves from the treated plants had turned on the dead larvae earlier and had eaten more of them than those fed with leaves from control plants. The results are published in Nature Ecology and Evolution. So so they were eating their dead? They were eating their own dead babies. The dead larvae. Yeah. Wow. So <laughs> just to give a summary of this, the researchers took leaves from the tomato plants that had gotten the signal of, hey, we're in trouble, the chemical messenger yep. from the other tomato plants. Hey, we're in trouble. They fed those to caterpillars that also had dead caterpillars lying around in their same cage. Okay. And when they ate those leaves, the cater- the le- living caterpillars were more likely to eat the dead caterpillars. So, so the plant le- the, the leaves from the tomato plant that got the message of, hey, we're in trouble. Yep. Induce the caterpillars to eat their own. So it affected their brain. I mean, almost like a toxoplasmosis kind of thing. Yeah, it affected their behavior. Yeah. Wow. Isn't that interesting? Is there any way we could, like, modify this perhaps to work with certain other species? (laughs) Well, I don't know about that. Let me just finish up this article here real quick. The caterpillars will always eat each other eventually, but the difference is the timing, and that's critical, says Orak. If plants can induce pests to eat each other earlier, there will be more of the plant left untouched. However, he also cautions that the cost to the plant of activating its defenses is very high. It is very possible that the plants will strike a balance and decide if the attack is serious enough to activate the defenses. Anurag R. Agarwal, who studies plant-animal interactions at Cornell University in Ithaca, New York, says the study suggests that farmers could foster cannibalism as a pest management strategy. Nonetheless, under some field conditions, cannibals may be more fit than non-cannibals, so this is something to watch out for, he added. We don't want to be encouraging super pests. Oh, so he's saying this could be used to, in farming, 
to, right. to make the pests eat each other instead of the plants. Yeah, it's However, a natural However, you don't want to be creating these super cannibal pests that are super powerful and then they, you know, go out of control. Yeah, no, you know, I mean, in all seriousness, every time this kind of stuff gets tried, um, there's always, there's always something that goes wrong. Always unintended yeah. consequences. <laughs> um, it, just a few years ago when I was living in upstate New York, uh, there was a problem with, uh, was it moths? Any, gypsy moths? Yeah, it might have been gypsy moths or something. But like, so, so they, uh, I forget exactly how it went down, but they unleashed a ton of caterpillars and it actually killed off most of the trees like way too early because they, you know, they're eating away all the leaves and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they had to do, I don't, I don't, I don't know if the moths were the problem. There's something, maybe, I forget. But anyway, it, it backfired. And the following <laughs> year, they had to unleash something else, you know, <laughs> in, in a grander scale, in a grander number to take care of the and caterpillar problem. And you're just unleashing problem. the things to fix what you unleashed before. Yeah. 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 It's yeah. so, I mean, this always, and I, you know, there's, we don't have the story here, but I think in Fresno, in California, Google's going to be unleashing, um, uh, like, uh, oh, mosquitoes to fight the Zika virus. Exactly. I heard about that. Yeah, look, folks, the solution for all this shit it always is to just don't, don't live in tropical areas. But, but anyway, uh, yeah, th- this is crazy. I mean, I mean, it's wild. It's natural, you know, that this is what happens. But boy, I hope this doesn't like start getting weaponized. Yeah. Um, that's true. I mean, it's really interesting. It doesn't say exactly what the mechanism is for, um, inducing the cat, caterpillars to start going cannibal sooner because it says that caterpillars do that anyway but usually they only do it when they run out of plant leaves to eat Uh right they wouldn't they wouldn't go cannibal so early but the plants are able to turn them cannibal sooner than they normally would to spare the own the plant's own life or leaves that is so crazy yeah (laughs) and i it just reminds me it reminds me a lot of how the gut bacteria control humans now we're getting like all this information that that shows that you know, the bacteria or the microorganisms that live inside of our bodies whose cells outnumber ours by mm-hmm. a factor of 10 or so, um, <laughs> you know, they actually have a lot of influence on our behavior because they can send out hormones that go to our brains. Well, to some degree, uh, and correct me if I'm wrong, I mean, it, it can even kind of influence what we want to eat, right? I mean, so it's, yeah, it's very hunger, similar hunger to, and yeah. the, you know, the types of foods we seek out. Definitely. Yeah. Hmm. And I, I mean, yeah, you hear people like the natural health people say, oh, you know, people have candida, the yeast, and it makes you crave sugar. And some people say, oh, that's bullshit. That How could that be true? But it actually is true. It can make you crave sugar. And other organisms can make can influence your behavior in many different ways. So we'll get more into that maybe later on in this season. We'll have to try to explore that topic some more. Yeah. But uh, nonetheless, I just thought that was really interesting. If plants can influence animal behavior, bacteria can influence us. Soil and green is people. We're coming up. Hey, Brian, you do your own podcast, don't you? I do, it's yes. It's called Sovereign Tech, and uh, Sovereign Tech is heating up lately. So if you're not a fan of Sovereign Tech, you might want to become one. S-O-V-R-Y-N tech.com to check it out. And oh, yeah, it's a wild time. And I mean wild. Why is it interesting on Sovereign Tech? What do you talk about? Oh, because there's no, you know, to use a, a, a phrase, there's no holds barred. I mean, I'll talk about <laughs> anything and, and everything. And I mean, this, this just. It's this, a very entertaining show with moaning in between the breaks. 
Also, oh, that's true. Yes, it is a unique hybrid of fiction and nonfiction. Also, they should get on your email list because you write fiction stories. You just came out with a book called Dark Android, where you tell people how to secure their Android phones. Darkandroid.info for the book and zog.email for, uh, to sign up for the newsletter. Do Very it. good. This is Sex and Science Hour. Ooh. Hey, guess what? You know, that went really fast, but we've made it through the intro segment and the science segment and now guess what we're in the sex segment it just feels like the whole thing's been sex i mean you know. yeah i mean it always kind of well, is. I don't know. It's cannibalism kind of isn't that sexy Some that way. Think that's sexy it's true it's true I, I don't know what to say to that but i don't either i was gonna say it is it is flavored with sex. the whole show is steeped with sex like a flavored coffee steeped with viagra <laughs> <laughs> So, speaking of bugs, as we were in the last segment, um, wow, I don't, I don't know if I want. This. Do we do we want to go with that? I don't know if I want this to you be. Let me reset thing, it. I could take my pants off or something. Apparently, no. That's okay. We better just keep going. It's like we got to treat this like as though it's a live show. So, all right. Anyway, um, speaking of bugs, there are some people who are doing an unconventional practice. And there, I've got two stories for this segment, but they all relate to sticking things inappropriately in your private parts. Oh, boy. If you have a vulva and vagina. Oh, boy. So uh, let this be a warning. Don't do this. Um, you would think that nobody would, but apparently this is a thing to the point where they have to write articles about it. So let this be a warning to you, Sex and Science Hour listeners. I know you're probably too smart for, to fall for this, but just in case, you know, it, shining examples and horrible warnings. We're talking about the horrible <laughs> warnings here. <laughs> so don't put the headline here from independent.co.uk is don't put ground up wasp nest on your vagina. To tighten muscles, warns gynecologist. Wait, read that again? Don't? Don't put ground up wasp nest on your vagina to tighten muscles, warns gynecologist. Okay, all right, I got it. The method can cause painful sex and an increased risk of contracting HIV by An all-natural treatment for women looking to rejuvenate and tighten their vagina is giving doctors serious cause for concern. Ground up wasp nests. That's right. Some women are actually using oak galls, tree deformities caused by wasp nests, as an at-home remedy for vaginal rejuvenation. But while some natural ingredients are hailed for their ability to alleviate health problems, Canadian gynecologist Jen Gunter says using this method can have serious long-term implications. Formed when a wasp lays eggs in a tree's leaf bud so that the larvae can develop inside, oak galls are being sold by online retailers, including Etsy, who claim that grinding them into a paste can help tighten the vagina and get rid of bad smells. Ooh, scary. <laughs> but Dr. Gunter has slammed the practice on her blog, warning women that using this method could lead to painful sex, a lack of healthy bacteria, and an increased risk of contracting HIV. This product follows the same dangerous pathway as other traditional, quote, traditional vaginal practices. Drying the vaginal mucosa increases the risk of abrasions during sex, not good, and destroys the protective mucus layer, not good. It could also wreak havoc with the good bacteria. In addition to causing pain during sex, it can increase the risk of HIV transmission. This is a dangerous practice with real potential to harm. Wow. 
The Etsy retailer that Dr. Gunter found selling the oak galls, Heritage Health Shop, claimed that they can improve sex lives and be used on cuts with a warning that the paste will hurt. Oh, my God. Oh. Here's a pro tip from Dr. Gunter. Here's a pro tip. If something burns when you apply it to the vagina, it's generally bad for the (laughs) vagina, Dr. Gunter added. I mean, you would think that's true, but I can't. Oh, my God. Just being a woman in this world, you get exposed to so many things that burn when they contact your vagina. Yeah. I mean, it's bad. Uh, Spermicide used to be popular. You know, they had the condoms with the spermicide. It supposedly kills the sperm. It's like a double method of birth control in case the condom breaks. Well, guess what? Spermicide burns the vagina. It's, it's bad, bad. and guess what we found out? Spermicide is—it's like soap. It's like a little detergent that mm-hmm. is, it kills the sperm, yes, but it kills the bacteria, the good bacteria in your vagina, uh. which you need, which you're supposed to have—a healthy bacteria, and it—it uh, actually like disrupts the skin barrier so that it's easier to contract STDs. Wow. So, no, you don't want to wear, use spermicide, and you don't want to use ground-up wasp nests either. And you don't want to use glitter, as we're going to talk about next. That's well, now, just, it sounds like in the realm of unicorns and phantasmagorical stuff, but it's true. Now, like, I, you know, I kind of, I, I do want to think, like, how did this even become a thing? How did this, like, you know... So people it- are claiming that it rejuvenates the vagina, that it tightens the vagina, and it dries out the membranes and it's, you know, it's, it's a beauty product basically, but it's, but obviously there's always this tension between the fucked up cultural norms yes. that tell women that their vaginas, the way they naturally are, are bad, dirty, smelly, floppy, loose, yeah. unattractive to men, bad, 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 and shameful. All horseshit. And that you need products to make them better. That well, you need to you fix something. them with products, right? Yeah. Just buy this product and all your problems will be solved. I saw an article that was um, talking about women bleaching their vaginas. because, <sighs> And the marketing of the bleach was like, your vagina is too brown. It's bad. You need this bleach. Make it pink. Yeah. Well... So, like, the only the only other case that I can think of where anything to do with a wasp was anywhere near a vagina mm-hmm. was, like, in ancient Egypt, I know that they used to, like, put bees or wasps or whatever into a container. Not not just, like, the wasp nest. And they would use to that. To make people Jewish? Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like actually, the, the with Bible the story, story? of Aseneth, yeah. you're not too far off. <laughs> <laughs> but that's, uh, well, that's for another show somewhere uh but anyway as a vibrator it was a primitive vibrator is that you you would put you know bees or wasps inside one of these containers and you would put that in in your vagina and that wow i didn't know that oh yeah in ancient egypt very popular uh probably not in the vagina probably on top of the well on top or in however it would it would work i mean you, you know you can only show things in certain ways on on hieroglyphs but you know they (laughs) But it is what they... It'll be the, forever a mystery. Right. But that's what they do. Lost uh, to the sands of time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So wow, I only... didn't know about that. That's really interesting. They did all kinds of wacky vulvar shit in Egypt. You know, like they had this birth control where they would make like 
honey and lemons and yeah. slices and crocodile dung and things like that. Well, it was a civilization that understood how important sex was, you know, and yeah, not just they had wooden dildos that they made yeah. and that were in tombs and stuff. Yeah, for pleasure and sociability, not just uh, anything to do with procreation and all that. I mean, it it got it, and so it came up with a lot of inventive ideas, including a, a container full of wasps to work as a as a very primitive vibrator. Wow. So yeah, those Egyptians were smart. Yeah, they I'll understood tell you. chemistry, they understood math, and they understood sex. What yeah. more do you need? I don't know. And they understood paper and writing. A pyramid or two, and you're good. <laughs> <laughs> um, so here's a not-so-bright idea. <laughs> um, and I opened up this article, folks. This is also from the independent.co.uk. So I don't know what their fascination is with like women putting things in their vaginas that are inappropriate. But um, this is literally the same cover photo as the other article. I thought it was the same article until I read the headline. So they're literally using the same exact picture of a woman wearing underwear that's kind of crossing her hands daintily over her crotch like she's embarrassed of what's in there. Oh, dear. (laughs) So headline on this one, doctors warn against new trend of women putting glitter in their vagina. Using this so-called passion dust might actually kill off any passion at all. What? All right, hold on. Before you go any further, all right, I wouldn't blame a gal for like, you know, wanting to to troll and mess with some dude and just being like, oh yeah, motherfucker, gonna get glitter all over your dick and you're never gonna be able to wash it off. But but then why is she fucking him if she wants to troll him? Oh that who knows? I don't know. Sense. It could be yeah. could be a wife. Big, with that's a, a long game of trolling. It could there. be a dissatisfied dissatisfied wife or something like that. You know, I mean, whatever. Just to be like, oh yeah, you don't like that glitter? Here you go. I don't. know. Just putting that out there. Way to go, Pixie. Um, yeah, that's what I was kind of wondering. Is it like, is it like a candy cigarette? You know, like where you kind of it like puffs out. You know, like a puff of glitter comes out. <laughs> is it like a queef? And- <laughs> yeah, it would be a beautiful queef. <laughs> okay, let's read this. Here's the article. Oh, I want that to be done to me. <laughs> no, go. <laughs> well, I'm not going to try this because now I've been warned about it. All right, my vagina. <laughs> Gynecologists are warning against a bizarre new trend, which sees women inserting glitter-filled capsules into their vaginas, concerned that it could have potentially dangerous side effects. An online retailer is selling ca- controversial capsules designed to glitter bomb your bits, proving that the unicorn trend has officially peaked. This is peak unicorn vagina. (laughs) Essentially created to make your vagina look and taste better because they're clearly not fine just as they are. The Pretty Woman Inc. website. Oh, God. The Pretty Woman Inc. website says that the capsules, quote, just enough to make your lover feel that you're Yara, water lady or little butterfly is what all vaginas are supposed to look, feel, and taste like. Soft, sweet, and magical. Oh, my God. All right. I'm all about... There's some marketing copy there. Yeah. I mean, understand, I'm all about the devil vagina magic. I mean, please. Like, I am on board. But this is... This is late stage capitalism right there. That's that's what we've got. It's definitely a peak unicorn at the very least. (laughs) According to the site, they sold out of the passion dust intimacy capsules in a matter of days. But a growing number... How many of those were gag gifts? Yeah. But a growing number of gynecologists are warning that this bizarre new trend could actually lead to a dangerous infection. 
The bacteria, the vagina contains a delicate balance of good bacteria, which are there to protect it. Dr. Vanessa Mackey, spokesperson of the Royal College of Obstetricians, sorry, Vanessa McKay, spokesperson for the Royal College of Obstetricians and Gynecologists, RCOG, told The Independent. If women place foreign objects inside their vagina, they risk disturbing this balance, which may lead to infection, such as bacterial vaginosis, thrush, and inflammation. Eesh. Consultant obstetrician and gynecologist Shazia Malik agreed, saying that the ingredients used in these capsules could cause painful inflammatory discharge and even tiny scratches to the vagina. Yeah, if you have like these sharp pieces of glitter in there and then p- potentially you're you know, experiencing friction or getting penetrated. Right. I mean, that could cause a lot of abrasions. Using this product, like using a product like this so-called passion dust might actually kill off any passion at all, she told the independent. The starch and gelatin will, oh, starch, that's bad. The starch and gelatin will increase the pH as well as adding sugar to the vaginal secretions, which will encourage harmful bacteria and fungi such as candida to thrive. This causes increased discharge and a painful inflamed vagina, which causes painful intercourse. Ouch. Also, the glitter capsules can cause tiny scratches to the vaginal mucosa during sex, allowing, again, allowing harmful bacteria to infect the vaginal walls. Even worse, it's possible that some glitter pieces may even migrate up through the cervix into the womb lining and have exactly the same effects there. I'm not even a woman and I'm in pain. Yeah, it sounds horrible. Um, However, Passion Dust's retailer preempted the backlash by adding a section to the site urging their readers to ignore the expert's advice. Oh, God. Any gynecologist would tell you that nothing should go in your vagina. The site says, uh, I don't know about that. I mean, they stick a speculum in it. Yeah, that's what I was just thinking. They tell you it's okay to put a dick in there. I mean, in a dildo, uh, at least the progressive ones. If you've had any vaginal issues, you had them before you used passion dust anyway. Oh, my God. Wow. They're gaslighting people. If you've ever had a yeast infection, I'm sure it wasn't caused by glitter. It just happens sometimes. Oh, my God. That is so fucked up. So they're gaslighting their poor people who use their product and then get sick. So, okay, let's back up the train. All of these things, I mean, it sounds ridiculous. Why would people stick these things in their puss? Mm -hmm. Because they've been told for a lifetime that their puss is bad and wrong and shameful and smelly and dirty and brown and unattractive and floppy and loose and no man would ever want to fuck them. And that's bad. That's why they'd want to stick this glitter and shit up their up their puss. And that's not cool. We need to work to change that. The change is going to come from within with our attitudes about our bodies. And, you know, your body, I'm here to tell you that your body is just fine the way it is. I mean, obviously, if you're having pain or if you're having a horrible odor, then go to a doctor and they'll help you out with it. But it's nothing to be ashamed of. You know, it's just your right. body and they don't, I'm sorry, but they don't have glitter. <laughs> Bodies don't have glitter and don't necessarily smell like a peach or a unicorn right off the bat every time. I mean, they'll probably have a pretty neutral smell if you're taking a shower and stuff like that. But like body, human bodies have an odor and they have characteristics that are not like perfect unicorn glitter. 
Yeah, you know, I'm thinking of, I'm reminded of a company, Cambrian Genomics. I mean, this yep. company is just... We talked about this on Sex and Science Hour. Yeah, and on Sovereign Tech. I and mean, just pure evil, uh, you know, because they're talking about where the founder, of course, a guy, is saying, oh, you don't want your, you know, you don't want your pussy to smell like that. We want it to, you know, you want it to smell like peaches or bananas or something like yeah, that. Yeah, they genetically engineered bacteria to put women to put in their vaginas to make it smell and taste like peaches. Yeah, same horse shit. Just different, a lot more different technical glitter. and like, yeah, higher scale. All right. This is Sex and Science Hour. I don't know what to do with this intro, but I think now this means we're in the fourth segment. This is a bonus round. Ooh. We'll just keep talking for it. Okay. Yeah. All right. Now we're in the bonus round. And uh, in the bonus round, we like to have some fun with our listener emails. And oh boy, did we get a doozy of a listener email this week. I love this music. I like this music too. Yeah, I feel like I'm a in a feeling. in a real life video game. Yeah, I love all the bumper music for Sex and Science Hour. Me but too. yeah, that's our this is our bonus segment, so we gotta have good music for that. All right. Anyway, um, Philip Myas wrote writes in. You sure, it's not Moyes. <laughs> no, no, I'm sure it's Philip Myas. Um, <laughs> all right. Ah, <laughs> uh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I think I have to go back. No, you know what? I'm just going to roll with it. Okay. Right. Philip Wright said, how do I approach my girlfriend to let her know I'm interested in pegging? Oh, boy. That's going to be our listener question for tonight. All right. So uh, for those of you who don't know, pegging is an act of debauchery. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> oh, <laughs> a, it is. It's an act of heterosexual role reversal because in a heterosexual couple, Usually it's um, when they have sexual intercourse, you know, the sorry to give you the lesson if you don't know how sex works. But um, <laughs> if you're a kid, turn this off. You should have turned it off at the beginning of the show. The hell are you doing? <laughs> Where are your parents? Um, yeah, exactly. Uh, well, my mom's listening to the show. So <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. anyway, so usually the man is in a heterosexual couple. The man is the one who's penetrating the woman in sexual intercourse, in the traditional, you know, definition of yes. heterosexual coitus. You know, the the woman is gets penetrated, the man does the penetrating. Right. Those are the roles. And those roles pretty much do not change. Um even with oral sex, you know, it's sure. the man who's penetrating the woman's mouth. And sure. you know, um, you know, it's that's just the way it is. But with pegging, I say it's a role reversal because what that is, is the is a woman will take a strap on dildo, usually, you know, a pretty small one, mm-hmm. and will penetrate her male partner anally with it. Yeah. So she's doing she's now the one who's doing the penetrating and he's now the one who's getting penetrated. Right. So some people find this active role reversal really arousing. Some people find it interesting. Some people find it, you know, just a good change. I think it's cool because I think it can really increase empathy. You know, like if you've been used to spending your whole life in a certain sexual role, it can be hard to imagine what the other person's role is like, what mm-hmm. your counterpart's role is like. And, you know, for example, if you're if you're two gay men and you switch off somebody's the top and somebody's the bottom, um, regularly yeah then you both know what both roles are like but with heterosexual people they usually don't get to experience that and so um you know i think for some people they find that really really fun well i'll tell you i think the uh the empathy 
part, I think that's a huge selling point. Like, I think that that's something that you can say. It's like, look, I want to know more about how you feel, honey, you know, or whatever, you know, however you want to want to put that out there. Yeah. Now, I mean, I can say personally, so eh, two, three months ago, I don't know. Uh, I said to you, and of course, we have very busy schedules, but I said to you, it's like, yeah, you know, I want to try this pegging thing. Yeah. And and that's that's how the conversation, like, if the question is, how do you ask your girlfriend about it? Well, that's how I did it. I just said, hey, I'd like to try this pegging thing. Wow, that was so simple. How are we going to make a whole segment out of that? Yeah, right. <laughs> well, <laughs> so, but, but let me be clear. I mean, like, this is something we're going to have a conversation over. I mean, because, you know, this is going to be a very new experience for me. Mm-hmm. And... You know, like what size are we talking about? Are we going to use, you know, how is this all going to work out? Blah, blah, blah. Um, so, you know, I, I don't think it's something to take so lightly. Uh, I do think it's something worth really having a conversation over, you know, how to get it started and all that. But I think, I think your, your pitch that you made, I think that's the best selling point, unless you're just going to say, Hey, you want to peg me? You know, which is, <laughs> which is pretty much what I said to you. Um, now, Philip, you could absolutely play our show for her and maybe she'll be sure. interested in it. Um, you know, I think it sounds like he's coming from a place where he doesn't know. He's never discussed this with her, with right. his girlfriend before. Right. And I don't blame him because, you know, there's a lot of fear around guys bringing up being interested in something like this because you could easily be seen as that could be seen as gay. You know, and yeah. that's something that guys are taught that you should not be you know, right as in a conventional. If you want to maintain that male gender role, you never talk about being interested in getting fucked in the butt. Yeah, which I think, um, you know, I think that kind of nonsense needs to go away because what you're really doing is you are exploring every avenue of your if you're into your whole male maleness and all mm-hmm. this you're just exploring the entirety of your condition you're exploring the entirety of your sexuality what's available to you uh etc i i really feel like that that's something that that needs to fall away that it's less manly to take it in the ass or something i mean Absolutely. that's that's outrageous it doesn't make you any less of a man no. and in fact i mean i think it has the capacity to make you a an even better lover yeah. because not only do you understand what it's like to be penetrated, which is a whole different experience of sex. Yep. I mean, it really is. It's, it's different to be the penetrator versus the penetrate E. Yeah. Um, there's like different feelings involved. There's like a, a level of vulnerability that you can experience that you may never have experienced before. And it makes you a better lover because then when you go back to being the penetrator, then you understand what it's like to be yeah, on the bottom and you're it. more gentle. You have more respect for it. Yeah. yeah. Um, so there's that. But then there's also the, the sort of, I'm going to take a libertarian view on Peggy. <gasps> How about that? We don't that? say that word. Okay. <laughs> oh yeah. That's the L word shit. Um, well, I, I, I'm going to take a philosophically libertarian viewpoint okay and say that um you know most people find it hard to disagree with the statement that you own your body you own yourself right you have full agency of your own body and what you do with it you're in the driver's seat and it, it could you know on the same uh subject what you do with your sexuality is under your control you know you can you can have the power to choose what you do with your body, what types of pleasure you explore, and why not explore pleasure? Because yeah. there's nothing wrong about it. You yeah, know, absolutely. As long as you're doing, as long as it feels good and you're not hurting yourself or anybody else, um, unless maybe you're into that and you're doing it safely and, you know, safe and consensual, um, you know, go for it. It's your body. And so you should be able to choose what to do with it. And 
not a lot of men are aware of this or acknowledge it because of the way you have to go about it. <laughs> but men have something that's almost comparable to the female G-spot, and that is their prostate Yeah, gland. magic button. <laughs> yeah, the, the magic button. And a lot of men say this feels amazing when you stimulate it. Mm -hmm. But the only catch is, there is a catch, and the catch is, the only way to get to it is through the butt. You have to go through the butt to get to that beautiful, magical prostate <laughs> that is the male G-spot. Isn't that a son of a bitch? <laughs> um, no, I'm just kidding. I, some people don't mind it because some people find stimulation of the anus pleasurable as well. Sure. Um, so there's, you know, there's a lot of fun. There's a lot of potential fun to be had depending on what feels good to you. Um, but you know, if you had a part of your body that was only accessible through the butt, but that could bring you amazing sexual pleasure, wouldn't you want to at least try it once? Yeah. And see how that feels. Now, I mean, there's a part of this that has to be covered that that's even something I need to look into more. And that's like, you know, like I'm not into, so here's the thing, like I'm, I'm not into, you know, anal sex like giving anal sex to to a woman you right know? um that's not my not my bag and part of that is is you know i hate getting shit dick right mm -hmm. uh now it's not a problem when it's like when it's a plastic device that you can put in the sink and kind of wash or whatever i guess it doesn't matter but i mean you know you do kind of all right what do we do about you know when there's a terrorist in the cave i mean like <laughs> like how, how are we gonna <laughs> Right. You know, when there's an extra round in the chamber. I mean, that I, is I, always the eternal problem. Right yeah, there, yeah. What what do we do about this? And you just and, don't have that problem with the vagina. So, right. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> so, so I don't, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't know. Um, well, you know, there's lots of books written about anal sex. I'm sure. not, I would say I am not an expert on it. Right. Um, and neither are you, Brian, no. but, but the good news is there's tons of information about it. Um, Tristan Terramino is a sex educator that has written a lot about it. And she actually has a website called like puckerup.com. I think that's, <laughs> her, I think that's her main website, but there's a lot of stuff about anal on there. So that's for, for anybody, for any body type. And of course, everybody has an ass. So, you know, yeah, <laughs> like you opinions. Go. Um, it's genderless. <laughs> Not everybody has a prostate, but everybody has an ass. So, um, you know, look up some information, educate yourself. Decide if it's something you want to do and then, you know, feel your girlfriend out and say, see if she's interested in it. And if she's not, if she's interested, but she's ignorant, like she mm -hmm. doesn't know any of this stuff, then maybe it's time instead of first jumping into trying pegging, you know, maybe the first thing you do is read about it sure. for a couple of months and decide your game plan, how you're going to go about it. Then maybe you go shopping together for a toy to try out or maybe you try it with a finger first with a glove on. You right. Know, so there's really no danger of touching anything you don't want to touch. So, you know, you ease into it. You have baby steps. Yeah. And I mean, it's really just like when when women start to or when people with vaginas, you know, start to have sex and sort of learn that role of being penetrated, which not that, you know, just because you have a have a vagina doesn't mean you have to always have penetrative sex or you have to have it at all. But that is the way that a lot of people with vaginas get accustomed to having sex. Mm -hmm. When they start learning that role, they don't just usually jump right in with like fisting or something, <laughs> you know, <laughs> they ease into it. They start out with like a finger and, you know, see what feels good. And they try to find their G spot and, you know, they, they just experiment and try different things without having a specific goal in mind. Right. You know, like I think it's always healthy when you try something new sexually to, 
not approach it with a goal oriented approach like, oh, I have to have a squirting orgasm or I have to, you know, I have to get um, some crazy boner from prostate stimulation or something like that. Or I have to know exactly what to do and how to pleasure my partner right away and be a mind reader. No, you don't have that. You just kind of experiment and continue communicating to tell each other what feels good. And that's an interesting thing for a man to be in that, or a heterosexual man to be in that role, because usually they're not used to doing that. Sure. To having to really keep in communication with their partner while they're being penetrated and tell them what feels good. Explore the entirety of the human condition. Boldly go where no one has gone before. Now, there's lots of people who've gone yeah. there before. <laughs> and there's lots there. of resources on the internet, so look them up. Good luck with this conversation. Thanks for writing in to Sex and Science Hour. You can contact us at sexandsciencehour.com. Don't go away because there's an after show coming up. You've just heard Sex and Science Hour. Game over. Play again next week. say the way i would like to be approached about it is like Mm -hmm. you know after sex maybe you're cuddling or whatever you're having an intimate moment you know i watch you getting fucked and i'm always curious what that experience is like what is it like when you get when you're the one who's getting penetrated it must Mm -hmm. be really vulnerable in some ways and i'm really interested in that and part of me is curious about experiencing what that's like what do you think about that well, that's the empathy cell. I mean, I, I so I think you, you kind of brought that up, but yeah, yeah, no, I think that's a great way to go about it. I mean, come on, like most guys have, you know, well, I'll just say it while they've been taking a shit, like, and it's a big one. They'll, they'll like, they'll, they'll hold it like halfway, right? Just to know what it feels like. Really? Sure. Oh my God. I had no idea. Well, of course they, they do. That. That. Yeah. They'll sit there. It's like, all right, wait, I'm going to hold it. What does this feel like? Well, it's not bad, you know, or something like that. I mean, it, they do it. They do it. Well, it feels very different when something's coming out than something going in. Nah, nah. Well, it's just to get a hint. It's to get a get a clue, an idea, a notion. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, humans are have endless sexual curiosity, don't they? It's great to be human. Well, speaking of endless sexual curiosity, I think the uh, shoppers on stuff.sexandsciencehour.com have endless sexual curiosity because they bought all kinds of lube and stuff. Sure. Uh, we have been on a season break before we started this season, which is season four. Excuse me. We were on a break and um, people still continue to shop through our Amazon link, which is the basis of our after show. Yeah. Where we read uh, stuff on the after show that was uh, purchased through stuff.sexandsciencehour.com. So we still have a lot of catching up to do. We do. Yeah. We're still catching up on the items that were from the season break. I picked out a few highlights that I wanted to talk about today. Um, but if you want to be on the next, next week's after show, 
um, you can go to stuff.sexandsciencehour.com. It'll take you to Amazon and you do your normal shopping. It doesn't change the price you pay for anything. All it does is give us a little bit of a, you know, a, a referral fee out of um, out of the normal cost of the item. And Amazon pays that for you, so you don't have to worry about it. Mm-hmm. And it gives us a way to fund our show, and it also gives us a list of stuff that people bought, so now we can talk about it on the after show. Okay. So win-win, win-win-win for everybody. When Amazon wins, not that you care about that, but Amazon wins because <laughs> people buy stuff. You win because you get to be on our after show, and we win because we get a little bit of money and we get content for our after show. Everybody wins. Right on. All right. <laughs> um. Brian and I had an interesting conversation about Jeff Bezos, actually. Oh, we? man. Well, that's a long story. <laughs> but I mean, that's a really long story. Listen well, to Sovereign Well, that'll be Tech. on Sovereign Tech. Yeah. yeah. Okay, listen to Sovereign But Bezos, Tech. boy, I'll tell you, that guy is a monster today. And I, I'm not just in business. Like, what the fuck? I don't know if he's shooting roids or what. I mean, he is a big, big dude now. They have these great pictures where it's like him, The Rock, and Vin Diesel standing next to each other. And it's just like, wow, I don't want to. I'm not messing with any of them. I mean, <laughs> wow. So he's like comparable, huh? Well, I mean, he, he fits. Like, I, I don't want to say that he's like their size, certainly not the rock size, but he, he kind of fits in with the, the look. I don't know. Those bald dudes, you know? <laughs> yeah. Bunch of badasses. Oh, well, you're a bald dude. So Whoa, I hey, do yeah, know. Well, I'm not saying anything. Anyway. All right. What did people buy through stuff.sexandsciencehour.com during our season break? Well, Brian, you'll love this one. This is a great one. Okay. I picked this one out just for you. Somebody got a personal internet address and password logbook. And the little black book? Literally what this is is just a little black book. That's phenomenal. So, okay. Yeah. Let me let me describe this really quickly. So if you are going to, like, there's kind of three ways to store your passwords, okay? And, and well, there's like four. One of the, the first one is you just use the same password for everything. That's a terrible oh, fucking idea. Oh, bad idea. But everybody okay. did that, you right. know, in the last... 20 years ago. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Now, the other thing you can do, which is something that started to get popular in the aughts and the later aughts, was that you had what was called password managers or software like KeePass and some others. This is all localized and encrypted store on your you know, storage uh, software on your computer, on your device that would have your passwords, you know, loaded on it. Okay. That's the other way to go about it. Then what became popular with like LastPass and some others is it's cloud stored. And it'll be on an extension in your web browser, which is largely where you need your passwords. Um, these are very popular. There's arguments against all that. But my solution has always been to really just use a little black book. And for a bunch of different reasons, one of them is, is that, like, say somebody, you know, say you're being watched by some kind of alphabet soup organization from the government or something. They can easily get access to, like, your cloud stored um uh, you know, passwords or whatever. Oh, I mean, there's yeah, a million no ways problem. to find that. Okay. Um, and so they don't even, here's the thing to understand. Like when your house is getting raided or something like that, like, I don't even think that these agents even look at books any, like anything that's physical, that's, they, they instantly go for laptops and computers or, you know, laptops, computers and, and mobile devices. Okay. So if you keep all your important shit in a little book, like they, I, as far as I that can tell, they just ignore that stuff. Yeah. yeah. It's completely overlooked and you could instantly set it on fire and then it's gone. Okay, you know, data can be recovered. You're not recovering something lit on up in smoke. Yeah, yeah, that's funny that you said that about burning it on fire because I was fire, (laughs) (laughs) lighting it on fire, yeah, and having it burn. Because I was thinking, like, that might be a, a potential downside is that you can't really easily back up that data. But I mean. You know, it's a double-edged sword. You could keep it in a fire safe, I suppose, or you know, away from 
I don't know, some other location. Yeah, I mean, but it's just the idea is, is the fact that it can be lit on fire is the feature like that. It's yeah. not that's not a problem. That's what you want, yeah. because then you can make it all disappear. I mean, very, very important today with cryptocurrencies and all that. I think this sort of thing is, is really something to jump on. So I am excited that somebody bought one of these books. Yeah. And it the reason it's called the reason it's not it's more than just a little black notebook is mm-hmm. that. It actually has little spaces for you to write down stuff like your router settings and address and password. And yeah. Wi-Fi password at home and that kind of thing. Yeah. And usually it'll have like five or six fields for passwords when you change your password, as you should every few oh, months. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, those are very nice. Yep. Very good. So this one was only six dollars and 16 cents and. It is from Peter Popper Press, and it's the number one bestseller in the um, Internet and Telecommunications Department of Books. All right. Fantastic. Um, somebody got another book that we've uh, talked about on the show before and that we're very interested in. It's called Wheat Belly by William Davis, M.D. Oh, yeah. And it's basically about how wheat and gluten and carbs makes you fat yep. and sick. And, um, you know, that's definitely an idea that I'm very sympathetic to. I don't eat wheat. Sure. And I try to limit my carbs to like 50 grams a day, which is working out really well for me lately. Hell yeah. I'm sort of recommitted to low carb and begin, you know, some crazy getting workouts. really crazy workouts. Yeah. The workouts are going awesome. Yeah, you're doing lately. awesome. So I'm trying to get rid of my wheat belly. Not that I really had one in the first place, but get always improve your belly. Um, there was a flurry of toothpaste orders, Brian. I'm not sure what caused this, but, um, I picked out like a sample of a couple different types. First, we had the, the essential oxygen organic brushing rinse, uh, for whiter teeth and it's peppermint flavored. Okay. And it, this looks like it's kind of a mouthwash, but kind of a toothpaste at the same time. Um, and it's like, you know, natural, only $8. So I'm not that bad for like an organic product. It's interesting. We had, my Magic Mud Activated Charcoal Toothpaste. And so now My Magic Mud is a brand of, of uh, tooth care product that we've used before. It's powder. We've used the powder. Yeah, it's like it comes in a little jar and you have to wet your toothbrush and dip it in. But this is actually a paste. They must have oh. formulated it. You know, they must have came at, come out with a new product where okay. it looks like a regular tube of toothpaste and you would squeeze it onto your brush. Nice. Um, so they still have their, you know, tooth powder that you can buy in the jar. Um, but they've also come out with this new product. So I might actually have to try that. I'm kind of curious. Yeah, I'm intrigued now. I'm going to just put it in my card just so I remember <laughs> that for later. <laughs> um, we also had Tom's of Maine fluoride, uh, with fluoride natural toothpaste. So this person's a rebel because they wanted the fluoride in their toothpaste. Usually Tom's of Maine, they don't want fluoride. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> but they make it both ways and you can choose. So, you know, Tom's of Maine has some cool flavors. I like their cinnamon, you know, flavor. Um, they also have like a fennel one that I liked. I don't know if they still have Oh, that. yeah. That one is good. Mm-hmm. Their deodorant for men, terrible. For women, it doesn't work either. Yeah, yeah, terrible. I didn't like it. Like, they claim, like, it's 24 hours, or even they have, like, a 48-hour one with a mountain scent. It does Tried not 24 work. 24 minutes. Yeah, yeah, literally. It's, it's so bad. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm not a big fan of their deodorant, but um, their toothpaste I do like. So, this person got a two-pack of uh, peppermint toothpaste with fluoride. So, you know, toothpaste is something everyone needs. Y- if you're going to buy toothpaste, you might as well go through stuff.sexandsciencehour.com and yeah, then we can talk about it and judge your toothpaste Damn choices. Right. 
Uh, somebody bought a hair product. It's TG Bedhead Foxy Curls Contour Cream. Now, Bedhead is a, a famous brand of, of hair products. I used to use Bedhead, a Bedhead uh, hair product. I can't remember what happened to it, but it was this really stiff gel that was like, would keep my hair completely under control and it, but it would also be like really crunchy. Hmm. Um, I've never used this Foxy Curls one, but the important thing about this is that it looks like we have another curly girl listening. Oh, right on. Because I have curly hair and as I mentioned before, I really like having very long, long hair. So having long and curly hair is a challenge because, um, with the, the, just the texture of curly hair, the way it is, it tends to dry out and break off at the ends right. and especially it gets tangled a lot. So when you're brushing it, um, it can get, it can be really prone to breakage. Sure. And it's also just brittle anyway because it's curly and it's more porous or something like that. And so it loses moisture and the oils from the top of your scalp don't make it down to the ends of the hair. So the ends would get really dried out. So there's all these problems with curly hair that uh, tend toward making it be hard to get long. But um, if you can overcome those problems by doing several different things, one of them is like, you know, just a, a type of brush and a style of brush. Another one is um, co-washing with like conditioner instead of shampoo. So mm-hmm. avoid drying it out. And uh, also like lots of leave-in conditioner and creams in it. So there's certain things for curly hair if you want to get it long. Right. And especially for, you know, like black women's hair. Um, if they want to wear it natural and grow out of like a relaxed style, there's all this stuff on the internet about growing out a natural hairstyle. Mm-hmm. And, um, I just love the way that looks. It's like you can get a lot of length in your hair. You just have to know how to take care of it. And for me, it, it took me a while. <laughs> so, but eventually I learned. So anyway, I hope whoever bought this, I hope if you're a curly girl like me, that you're having a great curly hair journey and you're learning how to love and take care of your hair. Cause it curly hair is awesome. I mean, it, it was something that I got made fun of for as a kid and it was hard to take care of because I didn't know how to take care of. And most of the hair products and stuff was made for people with straight hair. But, um, once I learned it was a joy and I learned to love it. So I hope you will too. Anyway, Brian's like, whatever, I'm bald. I don't care. (laughs) (laughs) No, no, I, I, it's interesting. If you had, if you had hair, it would be curly. Cause I mean, my hair is too, yeah. Your hair is coarse and curly. Yeah. So bad. Yeah. (laughs) Pure Jew hair. Uh, Janish hair. Sorry. <laughs> right. Uh, somebody bought this stuff called, um, Cozy Softy Mo Deep Treatment Oil. Um, and I have no idea what this is for or what this even is. The instructions are like in Korean or Japanese. And it says about this product, vultures in adhesive repair care treatments. Union Grass Premium Oil Compound, the hair, spelled H-A-I-R-E, especially the pain comes to mind. (laughs) That's the description of this product. Wow. I have no idea what the fuck this is, but um, it sounds interesting. So anyway, if you know, let us know. I just had to say that because it was a really funny uh, description. All right. So now on to the perverted stuff. Um. We had two types of lube that were purchased through our link. One is one of my favorite lubes, wet platinum, silicone-based lubricant. Oh yeah. Um, 4.2 ounces. Wet platinum is a great, is a great lube. It doesn't get sticky. Um, and it's, it's made, 
I don't know like what's actually in it. I think it's silicones and they're pretty inert. Mm-hmm. It has no parabens, um, none of that. It, it's obviously it's not as natural as something like coconut oil, but you can't always use coconut oil because you're worried about condoms breaking or whatever. Yeah. So um, this can be a great choice to use with condoms. Um, and then we also had probe lube. <laughs> 8.5 ounces. Well, uh, I might pro- need that. Probe all-natural personal lubricant. Thick and rich. All right. Yeah. Very cool. Um, Can also be used for shaving. <laughs> <laughs> Have you tried? No. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's see. Somebody bought the Five Tribes. It's a it's a board game. It takes two to four players uh, to play it. Hmm. And... It was $80. I've never seen a board game that was that expensive. Oh, yeah. Like the the tabletop role-playing and, and a lot of these board games. I mean, it's a full art form now. Oh, wow. Um, so that's that's cool. Like there's actually, there's a Doom, D-O-O-M board game, mm-hmm. and that runs like 80 bucks. And there was a point where I was like, you know, yeah, but I, I never did. Oh, wow. Well, I'd love to play Hopefully it. it provides hours of entertainment. Yeah. Crossing into the land of a thousand one nights, your caravan arrives at the fabled Sultanae of Nakwala. The oracles foretold of strangers who would maneuver the five tribes to gain influence over the legendary city-state. Will you fulfill the prophecy? Invoke the old jinns, move the tribes into position at the right time, and the Sultanate may become yours. Wow. That's a summary. Somebody got an office chair mat, which is like... These are really cool because you can put it over a carpet. Mm-hmm. If if you're in a bedroom or something, it has a carpet. You put this mat over the carpet, and then suddenly you can roll a chair around on there. And it's really cool. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, those are handy. Makes it all slick and slippery. This was only 22 bucks, So pretty good. Somebody got a variety pack of Quaker's oatmeal breakfast cereal. And this isn't just like a bag of oatmeal. It's like... It's like those little cups that you could fill up from like a coffee, like a hot water spout at your office or something like that and mm-hmm. have like a very easy breakfast and put the lid on and make steep it or whatever. Um, so they're just single serving cups. That is very convenient. Nice. $16.99 for 12 cups with apple flavors and all kinds of stuff. Uh, somebody got sports bras. Cabales Ooh. women's three pack of seamless wireless sports bra with removable pads. Now, ladies, real talk. I've had some sports bras that have pads and I always take them out. I mean, why, why would you want, why would they just bunch up? Like they never stay put (laughs) if they're removable pads. You always end up with one folded over one boob and, or like to the way to the side or underneath or up top. And it's just like, no, like why do they even bother doing that? (laughs) You know, the pads should be either sewn in so they can't move around or just not there. If it's a sports bra, you're not trying to have big boobs. You're trying to have, Support while you're running on the treadmill and bouncing. Containment. Containment. That's right. So we got a pack of five uh, stainless steel pint cups. These looks like the kind that you would make a milkshake in. I'm just guessing, but it looks exactly like milkshake cups. Nice. For $32. So Sash brings all the milkshake cups to the Amazon. <laughs> Something like that. <laughs> um, let's see what else. I opened up some some uh, items, but they weren't actually as interesting as I thought they would be. Okay. Well, you can just list them off. It doesn't. Um. No. Never mind. Okay. Somebody got a book called "Computer Numerical Numerical Control: Machining and Turning Centers." Hmm. 
Okay. And this is, uh, it looks like a textbook for, I don't know, like CNC manufacturing courses. Nice. Yeah, very cool. Um, somebody bought an airtight food storage container. And this is a pretty big one. It's 47 quarts. So this looks like, and it has wheels. So this looks like one of those things that you would put a giant bag of dog food in. Uh, and then you okay. would store it for a big dog. So big dog. somebody's feeding their alpha dog. <laughs> and then finally, the last thing I'll say tonight, we had these Biopedic Eco Classic pillows, a four pack of pillows for 35 bucks. And they're 100% cotton made in the USA. USA. And um, let's well, see. Well, you need four of them. You want to prop yourself up properly, right? Yeah, exactly. It, Ass up, face down. That's the reason why I brought these up, because it sounds like an innocent product. But, Brian, somehow you were talking about pillow humping as a method of masturbation. We talked about this on Sovereign Tech. On Sovereign yes. Tech, yeah with, yeah, with the show a couple weeks ago with Ellen. Yes. And, yeah, and so I just wanted to say, go listen to that show if you're at all curious about this, because some people like to masturbate by humping pillows. Not just women, either. I mean, apparently it's men, too. Oh, it's the real deal. It's it's totally legit. Yeah, there was actually, there's a guide in the episode. I think the episode number is 233 mm-hmm. um, of Sovereign Tech. And, and there's a link there that, that gives you a whole guide on how to pillow hump. Absolutely. So if, if you bought these pillows to sleep on, good for you. If you bought them to do some other stuff on, like hump them, good for you too. Double good for you. Stuff.sexandsciencehour.com. Thank you for tuning in. We'll be back next week with another episode of Sash for you. Meantime, sexandsciencehour.com. Also, check out our Facebook book, Facebook, Facebook book. group, <laughs> Sex and Science Hour podcast. Community on Facebook. See you next week.